What is up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of Morning Brew, and welcome back to Founders Journal, my audio diary made public for the world. Founders Journal gives you, the business builder, a backstage pass into building Morning Brew. I want to help you think better in order to build better. First of all, I hope you had a great holiday if you celebrated it. I hope you're having a great break from work. And on today's episode, I'm talking about business lessons that can be learned through non-business activities. Let's hop into it. So I've talked about this in the past, but there are many activities that have nothing to do with business, but because they teach you a single or multiple universal skills, they make you a smarter and better business person without forcing it. And periodically on the show, I'll bring up new and different non-business activities that help you build your business skills. But today's episode specifically is about poker and why I think poker is one of the best non-business hobbies to build your business acumen. So much so that I believe fundamentals of poker should be a required part of the curriculum in every single business school. So how did this idea of poker as a business skill builder come up? Well, let's step back for a second. Some of you know, aside from just recording a podcast, I'm also a voracious podcast listener. And I was listening to one staple in my podcast lineup, which is Shane Parrish's Knowledge Project podcast. Shane is an amazing guy. He runs a blog called Farnham Street. Farnham Street has unbelievable articles on mental models and ways to think more strategically as a professional. But specifically, his podcast, The Knowledge Project Podcast, is an interview-style podcast where Shane interviews some of the smartest, most curious figures from activist investors like Bill Ackman to Nobel laureate like Daniel Kahneman. And you always walk away from Shane's podcast with strategies, habits, and mental models of these incredible guests. And oftentimes when I'm listening to great podcast interviewers, what I'll do is I'll pick episodes at random, given I know that the interviewer will pull such interesting insights out of every guest, no matter who, I will literally just close my eyes, scroll, and pick a past episode. And that's what I did most recently for Shane's podcast because he is one such interviewer. And so in doing my own little game of audio roulette, I landed on Shane's interview with Jason Calacanis. Some of you may have heard of Jason, others haven't. So just a quick background, Jason Calacanis is one of the most famous angel investors of our generation. The 50-year-old Brooklyn native has made early bets on now massive businesses like Uber, Com, Robinhood, and dozens of others. And in his interview with Shane Parrish, Jason, from the get-go, talks about his professional trajectory, what success has done to him, and techniques for angel investing. But you don't have to be an angel investor. You don't have to be a tech entrepreneur to get value out of this episode. No part of the interview was more fascinating to me than the part on Jason's love for competitive, no-limit Texas Hold'em. So quick definition for those of you that aren't familiar with the rules of poker or Texas Hold'em. Hold'em is a game in which two to 10 players are dealt two cards each and then five what are called community cards. And these community cards are dealt in the middle of the table in stages, not all at once. So not all five cards are dealt at once. There are three cards dealt. Then there's a round of betting. Then there's another card dealt. There's another round of betting. And then there's a final or fifth community card dealt. 
as I mentioned, in between these stages, players have the ability to check, call, raise, or fold. And the goal of the game as a Texas Hold'em player is to make the best possible five-card hand at the table using your two cars, cards and three of the five cards in the middle without folding. So Jason goes on and on throughout the episode to talk about his strategies for playing Texas Hold'em and how there are so many similarities between Hold'em and business affairs like angel investing, being an entrepreneur or being an entrepreneur. And Jason isn't the only tech entrepreneur to feel this way. Poker, similar to like chess or meditation, is notoriously an activity reserved for successful entrepreneurs and hedge fund managers. And beyond Jason, there are so many other people that are obsessed with the game of poker and who credit poker with making them smarter and better business people. You have Chamath, who is the founder of Social Capital, a massive investment company. He's also a minority owner of the Golden State Warriors, and he's now the guy that's best known for taking companies public through SPACs. In the hedge fund world, you have famous fund managers like David Einhorn, Steve Cohen, and Vanessa Selbst, who attribute their business acumen to the casino game. And while I'm a novice player at best. I want to make that very clear. I'm not a professional or even close to a professional poker player. I do have enough knowledge around the game to point out a few of the most transferable lessons I've gleaned through listening to the podcast between Shane and Jason, doing my own research, and playing a bit of the game myself. So I'm going to walk you through four of these lessons and just know that there are actually so many other lessons to be learned through poker that make you smarter in business and just life. But these are the four that really uh, stuck with me after listening to the episode. The first, you don't need a massive bankroll to have a big success. So in the game of poker, there are so many different formats of poker, but even within a single format like Texas Hold'em, the stakes of the game vary widely. You can play in a game where you have tens of thousands of dollars on the line. You can play a game where you have tens of dollars on the line. And as an entrepreneur, what I have seen, and I know so many other entrepreneurs have seen, is there are so many different configurations of building a business in terms of the amount of money you raise and the amount of risk that you take to build your business. So you have examples of companies like Morning Brew, where we raised, we weren't entirely bootstrapped, meaning we didn't raise anything. But we just raised a friends and family round, raised $750,000 and then built the business from there. You have other companies who literally raised no money. They used their business as a moneymaker from day one and self-funded entirely. And then you have businesses like a few of the ones that I named earlier, like Uber or Com, that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And what I think is important for you to realize is that there's no one configuration that leads to success. And there's no one configuration that works for everyone. So for us, for Morning Brew, raising a little bit of money made a lot more sense than raising a boatload of money. But there's some businesses that simply need to raise a ton of money to be successful. The reason this connects back to poker is not only that you can play poker for so many different levels of money or investment in the game, but there are also examples of players similar to Morning Brew story that raised or staked a little bit of money, but it led to outsized outcomes. So the best example is in 2003, Chris Moneymaker was an amateur poker player. He was an accountant from Tennessee 
and he participated in an online satellite tournament through poker stars where it was an $86 buy-in. He won enough tournaments where he ended up being on the main table at the World Series of Poker, which is like the largest and most high profile tournament for poker. He turned that $86 investment in his initial game at that satellite tournament into a two and a half million dollar pot, becoming the World Series champion at the World Series of Poker. All of this to say that business success, poker success come in different forms and also different types of businesses, different types of players have different capital needs, but that isn't necessarily going to be indicative of the amount of success that a given player or a given company has. Lesson two. Lesson two is that poker is all about gathering information and making decisions with imperfect information. One of the first things you realize about being an entrepreneur is you are forced to make constant decisions without having 100% certainty about those decisions. Whether it's, should I hire this new salesperson who has no media sales experience? Or should we launch Real Estate Brew as Morning Brew's next industry vertical newsletter when we have no experience with that and we have no writers on our staff that have written about real estate? Or does it make sense to go back to Morning Brew's office in real life in Q4 of 2021 or Q1 of 2022 when there isn't an exactly correct answer and there are already companies who have their people coming into office now? Running a business is all about operating in the gray and having comfort in not having perfect information. Poker teaches you to be at peace with that reality as well. In poker, you never have perfect information. You don't know your opponent's cards. You don't know the cards that the dealer is about to flip over. You don't know if your opponent is being honest or is bluffing, but you are forced to make your own decision with that imperfect information with your money on the line, very similarly to entrepreneurship. And just like in life or in business, what you rely on is gathering as much information as you can. So in poker, that's having an awareness of the type of opponents that you're playing. Are they more aggressive or are they more defensive? Understanding the probability of certain events happening. So in poker, like having a sense of the probability of someone having a better hand than you or the probability of a certain card being shown by the dealer. And what poker makes you realize is that in life and in work, we can always put more thought into understanding the probability of something working out or not working out. We can always be gathering more information to try to get closer to having perfect information, but also we need to be humble enough to know that we, when we make these decisions, we are making decisions with imperfect information and we need to just put our best foot forward with the information that we have. Lesson number three, staying level-headed is everything. I always say that one of my biggest strengths as an entrepreneur is that my emotional state is like driving a car down the highway going 80 miles an hour rather than being in the last row of a roller coaster at Six Flags. Emotional volatility can be your biggest enemy when running a business. It can cause you to make overconfident decisions when you feel like you're winning or desperate decisions when you're on a cold streak. The same is true in poker. Daniel Negrano, one of the world's best poker players, has said that having emotional stability and emotional control is key to both investing and poker. Oftentimes, poker players who have some bad luck react by going on tilt. And for those of you that haven't heard this term, tilt, going on tilt refers to playing over aggressively, often due to anger, which oftentimes leads to bad outcomes because you're not making decisions based on merit information and probability, you're making decisions based on 
emotion and feeling. And I, I think this is actually one of the strongest connections between poker and entrepreneurship is I, I attribute so much of Morning Brew's success up to this point to Austin, my co-founder, and my ability to stay level-headed when shit hits the fan, but also when the business has massive wins and breakout numbers. And you know there are nuances to this lesson because you also want to be able to celebrate in a way that builds a, a culture of excitement and of camaraderie, but you need to do so in a way that doesn't create whiplash for you as a founder. And in the world of poker, you don't want to be in a certain mind space that causes you to make irrational decisions because of a given emotion in the short term. Lesson number four, understand the difference between luck and smart decision-making. I fundamentally believe human beings are great at making excuses in either direction. When something goes well, we'll take credit for a smart decision and call ourselves geniuses. And when something goes poorly, we'll blame the decision on others and avoid responsibility. Across business, I've seen this perverted relationship with decision-making for the last four years. Here's how the classic scenario goes. I'll be chatting with someone on Twitter about an angel investment that they're looking to make or a new product they're looking to launch. And I'll ask the person, why are they investing in this company, in this early stage company? And they'll say something along the lines of, they love the founder, they think there's very little competition, and they believe it's a growing market. Well, not only have they described about every somewhat interesting company, but when I push back with questions about the challenges the company is experiencing, competitive moats, or highly valuable IP, they'll give me a non-answer. Fast forward a year, and news will come out about the startup raising a big Series A. And I'll hear from that early investor shortly after with something like, I told you so, but in, in a nicer way. And while I don't have the heart to always say it, what I wish people would realize is that just because a decision led to a good outcome, it doesn't mean that you made a good methodical decision at the time. Poker is no di different. You can make great decisions based on the cards you have, what you see on the table, and the position you have amongst the other players that lead to failure. And you can make horrible decisions that lead to success. But the way that you win in the long term is by focusing on the quality of your decision making and not just on the outcome of the decision itself. Jason Calacanis in his interview with Shane Parrish even talked about in the episode how he records the different poker hands he plays and revisits them after to study how he thought about the hand, which is incredibly similar to the act of decision journaling in work and in life. It's all about having rigor around the decision you make and not having hindsight bias based on what the outcome was from the decision you decided to make. The lessons can keep going on poker, but I wanted to talk about my top four. And I'm more convinced than ever that this is an incredible vehicle to becoming a more intelligent, more thoughtful professional. And I was so convinced of this position on the game of poker that the day after Christmas, I tweeted, quote, fundamentals of poker should be a required class at every business school. You learn statistics in real life. You learn how to weigh risk reward. You get a crash course in human behavior, and you learn how to act when money is on the line. It was one of my highest performing tweets ever with 2,200 likes and 310,000 impressions. And what that tells me is I'm clearly not the only one who sees the parallels between poker and professional career. And I'm super excited to dive deeper into the game over the coming months. So I hope this was interesting to you. 
And so what I'd love to hear from my listeners is what activities, hobbies, or skills do you think are really great at teaching you lessons that can be learned outside of business, but then applied to a business setting? In your life, what it, what is the poker of your professional career? Thanks everyone for listening. I will catch you tomorrow. Hope you are having an amazing break. And as always, if you have feedback or thoughts or questions, shoot me an email at alexatmorningbrew.com. Take it easy, everyone. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.